drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Peter Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you on this Monday, July the 18th, 2022. Praise be to God. Are the cartels now making more money on human trafficking coming across our southern border than they do on drugs? Have drugs become their side hustle rather than their primary gig? We're going to have that conversation today with Todd Benzman. Uh, he's going to be on at 35 past the hour. He's with uh, the fellow. He's a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies and the author of Covert Border War, which you can find more information on his website, covertborderwar.com. But that's coming up at 35 past the hour. At 15 past this hour, we're going to address the rumors that were flying all over the internets over the weekend, as they normally do. Uh, there were alleged. Uh, there were allegedly. There were rumors. How else? What other fancy terms can I toss at this? Allegedly, rumors were flying abound that His Eminence Cardinal Supic is going to suppress uh, the Institute of Christ the King in Chicago in his archdiocese. Uh, there are reports on the ground that say that did happen, but we're going to have that conversation nonetheless with Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute. Stick around for that. Also, if you're able to join us at the top of the next hour, Davis Yance, our friend, our uh, attorney who represents folks that are being, um, let's just say, mandated in the military. Well, he's going to be on because of that. Uh, that was a big deal last week when that Ohio judge put a temporary moratorium on the vax mandate. So he's going to give us the implications of that at the top of the next hour, if you can join us. Hey, uh, over the weekend, a 77-page report was released by the Texas State House of Representatives said that there were systematic failures on behalf of some 400 enforcement officers who responded to the May 24th mass shooting at the school in Uvalde. Kind of a big deal. Uh, funding in the National Defense Authorization Act, which is what gives money to the military. Hey, guess what? There is a nugget in there that says uh, the Navy is required to start feeding their sailors alternative proteins by 2023. So mm. you might like beef, but how about this? How about some vegetable proteins or other, as the document says? wonder what the other is. If you've got... Beef or animal, vegetarian. What is the other? I'm curious. Hmm. Well, there's fish out there, right? Give him a, oh. a fishing pole or something. Are we going to start seeing packaging saying uh, John the Baptist patties? Yeah. You know, Ugh. locusts, wild honey. Hey, that's a that's a hmm, that's hmm. a good point, Joe. Oh, I think well, there's a business opportunity Should we there. Should then eat bugs? So uh, sailors may be getting to eat bugs very very soon. Hey, Christians were beheaded by Islamist Islamist insurgencies in uh, Mozambique. So pray for them. There is a persecution going on there right now. And a poll released uh, last week by EWTN found that Catholics or Catholic likely voters in the United States half believe in the real presence of the Eucharist and 37% go to confession at least annually. Half. Half. 
believes yeah, in the real presence. It's 50% if you didn't know, if you wanted to look for a percentage there. Boy, howdy. Yeah. Tell me, ask me how I feel about that. How do you feel about that, Oh, Jim? man, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll maybe discuss a little bit of that with uh, Michael Hitchborn at some point along the way. Anyway, praise be to God. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Oh, what a weekend. Was Fantastic. It? Was it good? Oh, it was so good. How good was it? Well, you know, when life gives you lemons, you got to make some lemonade, right? So mm-hmm. Maria was up all night on uh, Friday night going into Saturday morning. And yeah. uh, I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm already mm-hmm. up. Why don't I just go and uh, <laughs> take some pictures of birds or something? <laughs> and I found my white whale. You did? I found an alligator. Let's go. And you picked it up and you're no, like, pick brought it, it home me? for Maria to see. That and thing like, was terrifying. It was a baby, too. How, how big was it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like. Three feet long or something. Oh, that's a good eating right there. Nah. Come on, man. Nah, you got to let them grow. You do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The bigger they are, the nastier they taste. Really? I think so, yes. Huh. That's a general rule. Well, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did see some deer there. Praise be to God. Now, that's good eating right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yummy. <laughs> Venison. Mmm, love it. Uh, Adrian, what did you do over the weekend? Oh, yeah. It was a very busy weekend for me. Uh, but one thing we did was we went to go see the relics of St. Bernadette and oh, nice. the, the uh, rocks from Lourdes. Mm-hmm. And that was on uh, Sunday. So we went and did that. It was good, very good as a family. And then Saturday we did, had a rosary march from the Co-Cathedral of Sacred Heart to the courthouse and the uh, city, the uh, municipal courts. And we went back to the Sacred Heart in honor of uh, consecration of the Sacred Heart, asking nice. for the consecration of the Sacred Heart. Wow. And they did it in Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Waco, Tyler. Next month they're doing it in El Paso and in Houston. So be uh, seven cities across Texas. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, and we met Nick in person. Nick and uh, Nick the Mike and Nelia are fans from uh, Odyssey. Yeah, yeah pretty it was sweet. awesome. Speaking of uh, live web streaming... And we did receive another strike over the weekend from uh, the glorious overlords of YouTube. Uh, They said we are not allowed to have any discussion whatsoever about the election results of this past uh, presidential election. So uh, we are going to kneel on broken glass and scourge ourselves intensely for 60 days. Or no, what do we got, a week? We have a week? Uh, Yeah, I think so. A solid week of not being able to stream on the GRN online channel because of our uh, our infraction. You our, have to flagellate yourself. Yes, very hard, I yeah. heard. You want to be the Padre first? Pio got nothing on us. Oh, Teresa of Avila, forget it. <laughs> They're going to learn some lessons by, through Catholic Drive Time. At any rate, let's pray. Let's jump in. If you want to watch us live, you can do so on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. The links to the other sites are there as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, July 18th, and here are your headlines this morning. This one is from from Just the News. The headline goes, U.S. heading towards double-digit inflation by fall as Democrats debate revised spending bill. According to the Heritage Foundation, which we're trying to get on, inflation is likely to hit double digits by the fall. 
They say that this is quite possibly the last month of lingering economic factors keeping inflation in the 8% range, which means the official consumer price index number could be 10% uh, in the fall. Democratic leaders in Congress, meanwhile, are considering a revised filibuster-proof budget reconciliation bill that could include $300 billion for climate change-related initiatives, in addition to expanding taxpayer-funded Obamacare subsidies, as well as an effort to lower prescription drug prices. Reuters reports Saudi Crown Prince says unrealistic energy policies will lead to higher inflation. Finally, somebody who makes sense. Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman says more investment was needed in fossil fuel and clean energy technologies to meet global demand, and that unrealistic emission policies could lead to unprecedented levels of inflation. The prince said Saudi Arabia had announced raising its production capacity from 13 million barrels per day by 2027 from current capacity of 12 million now, and that after that the kingdom will not have any more capacity or capability to increase production. Epic Times reports woman hospitalized with accidental overdose after picking up a $1 bill in Tennessee. She says, quote, My body went completely numb. I could barely talk and I could barely breathe, Renee Parsons wrote on Facebook, claiming she accidentally overdosed. Parsons' family was traveling to Dallas when they stopped at a McDonald's in Bellevue, Tennessee. Renee then found a dollar on the floor and picked it up. The couple told local outlets that her toxicology report did not test positive for synthetic drugs, but they say that they're confident the $1 bill contained fentanyl or some other powerful drug. Breitbart reports ex-flight attendant wins $5 million after being fired over abortion views. She says, quote, today is a victory. A federal jury in Texas awarded a former flight attendant millions of dollars after she was fired for criticizing her union leadership for their attendance at the Women's March in D.C., which is in part funded by Planned Parenthood. The decision happened after the Transportation Workers Union of America Local 556 Union, along with Southwest Airlines, fired Charlene Carter regarding her religious conviction on the subject. And those were your headline news this morning. I'd love you. The saint of the day is Saint Camillus de Lays. Camillus was born on the 25th of May, 1550, at Bucic. Buccianchio, now Abruzzo, now then part of the Kingdom of Naples. His mother, Camilla, was nearly 50 when she gave birth to him. His father was an officer in both the Neapolitan and French royal armies. He was seldom home and his mother died when he was 12 years old. At the age of 16, Deleuze joined his father in the Venetian army and fought in a war against the Turks. What were you doing at the age of 16? After a number of years of military service, his regime, his regime was disbanded in 1575. Having gambled away all his possessions, Camillus took work as a laborer at the Capuchin Friary. He was constantly plagued, however, by a leg wound he had received while in the army, which would not heal. He later applied to the Capuchins and was denied entrance. He continued to follow a strict ascetic life, performing many penances, such as constant wearing of a hair shirt. He took as his spiritual director and confessor St. Philip Neri. Who was your spiritual director? Oh, man. Eventually, he felt called to establish a religious community. He was ordained at the age of 34 on Pentecost of 1584. He established the Order of Clerks Regular, or Ministers of the Infirm, better known as the Chameleons. His experience in wars led him to establish a group of healthcare workers who would assist soldiers on the battlefield. 
The large red cross on their cassock remains a symbol of the congregation today, one of their habits, and is today a universal symbol of charity and service. Delays concerned for the proper treatment of the sick extended to the end of their lives. He had become aware of the many cases of people being buried alive due to haste and ordered that the brothers of this order wait 15 minutes past the moment when the patient seemed to have drawn his last breath in order to avoid this. At that time, the, they established a fourth religious vow unique to their order, quote, to serve the sick even with danger to one's own life, end quote. During the Battle of Caniza in 1601, while Camillus was, was helping with the wounded, the tent in which they were tending to the sick in which they had all had their equipment, supplies, was completely destroyed and burned to the ground. Everything in the tent was destroyed except the Red Cross of religious habit belonging to one of the chameleons who was ministering to the wounded on the battlefield. This event was taken by them to manifest divine approval of the Red Cross. It is said that Camillus possessed the gifts of healing and prophecy. He assisted in a general chapter in the order in 1613, after which he accompanied the new superior general on an inspection tour of all the hospitals of the order. And in course of this tour, he fell ill. He died in Rome 1614 and was entombed at the Church of St. Mary Magdalene. St. Camillus de Lais, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 42. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment, the queen of the south will arise with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Something greater than David, remember that? Last week, something greater than Jonah, something greater than Solomon here. Jonah prefigures Jesus in two ways, according to the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. Number one, his three days in the whale foreshadows Jesus' resurrection on the third day. Number two, he prefigures Jesus as a prophet to the Gentiles. As Jonah preached to Nineveh in Assyria, so Jesus ministers to Gentiles and commissions the intentional spread of the gospel. There's a lot more that can be said. Maybe I'll share some of that with you in the after show. But let us ponder today whether or not we are hearing the words of our Lord and repenting before we are condemned in the judgment. We'll be right back. Some time back, I had a chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they made the assertion that the first Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. That belief was a later invention. But is this true? No, it's not. Leaving John 1-1 off to the side for now due to disputes with Jehovah Witnesses over its translation, John 20-28 records the Apostle Thomas saying to Jesus, which literally translates from the Greek, the Lord of me and the God of me. 
John says of Jesus in 1 John 5.20, this is the true God and eternal life. Paul writes of Jesus in Colossians 2.9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It doesn't get any clearer than that. There are many more passages, but these suffice to show that the first Christians did believe that Jesus is God. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. It's just you and me. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, Todd Todd Benzman is going to be our guest. Uh, We're going to talk about the border issue. He is a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. He's also the author of Covert Border War. And we're going to talk about what's going on there. You know, uh, the cartels quite possibly could be making more money in human trafficking than they do make in the uh, in the movement of drugs across our southern border, which are destroying our our cities and our our people, our livelihoods, our communities. So it's a it's I guess it's a double header for them. I mean, it's a win win. They get to make billions upon billions of dollars every single year, uh, either through human trafficking and drugs and combined. And uh, I guess we're just not going to stop any of that. I wonder. Todd Benzman is going to be our guest to talk about that at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that. There are lots of stories in the news that are great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you here coming up in just a moment. Uh, we're going to speak with uh, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute about the rumors, the alleged rumors coming out of Chicago over the weekend about the suppression of the Institute of Christ the King. But I want to really quickly jump onto this headline out of the Catholic News Agency. Poll finds half of Catholic likely voters believe in the real presence. <laughs> I like this. I like the spinning of the headline. To make it seem very positive. Hey, good news, guys. Half of us actually believe what the church teaches. What our Lord (laughs) himself proclaimed before he, for his death and resurrection. So, hey, positive spin there. I like that. A poll released this week found that of Catholic likely voters in the United States, half believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. And 37% go to confession at least annually. Hey, now. Just under 40%. Rudy, why are you giving me that look? That's a good positive number. Like, <laughs> if just, you say so. Not like almost half. If you're a glass half full guy, like, maybe you're like, oh, well, that's good. It's improved. Well, it's not that bad. Unbelievable. Real, real, real clear opinion research conducted an online survey. We talked about this last week. I was uh, just, my mind was just utterly blown by the, the, the lay faithful in America these days, I mean, it's just in tatters, oh, utterly yeah. in tatters, with the uh, how many Catholics actually do believe in abortion restrictions. They're like, yeah, we, we, lie, yeah, we just don't want to vote for a politician, but we, we're fully in favor of having some abortion. Like, really? What, what are we talking about here, right? And then, of course, now, you know, half of 
Catholic likely voters, 50%. You, I thought it was 63. We've been lied to this whole time. That number was way too awesome. It's actually 50%, according to this poll, out of a real clear opinion that believe in the real presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I wonder if we will believe at the resurrection. I wonder if then we will go, hey, guess what, Lord? Good news. I now believe. Uh, and he's going to go, depart from me, for I never knew you. Meanwhile, we're going to get raptured. <laughs> Are we? Bye. <laughs> don't don't we wish. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, let's be raptured by Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto and Stu, who joins us now by Zoom. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Praise be to God. Have you seen this poll out of uh, the real, clear opinion, uh, EWTN? No, I haven't seen that poll, but uh, I find it interesting, especially since this morning I was listening to Anthony Stein's podcast. And he, was mm -hmm. say, he mentioned that there was an America Magazine article mm -hmm. uh, that said that Pope Francis is preparing an encyclical to uh, overturn Humani Vitae. Well, last week we reported uh, a, an article out of the National Catholic Register that basically said the JP2 uh, Institute there that has sort of been taken over and its mission kind of reversed. Uh, they are actually pushing for an overturn of Humanae Vitae. So we could be seeing pretty scandalous days still yet ahead of us. I think so, yeah. 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 <laughs> Nothing but the hits, huh? Yeah, I <laughs> I mean, and, you know, college you is. I was thinking about that this morning because I, too, listened to Anthony Stein. And, uh, you know, I just, I guess I selfishly want just good times. I want the, uh, I just want to wake up tomorrow and everything to be normal. Right, I want to be able. Yeah. To, I want to be able to eat double chocolate uh, cake every day and not have any consequences to that. I want to have the sun to shine and my kids to be happy and and uh, go lucky. I want to go on great vacations. I just want life to be splendid and go to mass on Sunday. Praise be to God. But the reality is that's not the world we live in, is it, Michael? No, a lot of people think that they desire normalcy, but normalcy means that we are on that path toward salvation and going through that path toward salvation. It's the it's the wandering in the wilderness, but it's also the assault of the serpents, the fiery serpents in the in the desert. It's the uh, um, you know the 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 fact that your neighbors are going to start worshiping idols and you know yeah. <laughs> there there are all these things that go on in the wilderness that that yeah. um, that's part of normalcy. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. I, is it any surprise then? Like, I find it interesting when when St. Paul is so explicitly clear in his uh, writings about the great apostasy and the man of perdition can't come until after the great apostasy happens. Mm -hmm. Like, and they just, like, they scratch their head and they just think that's a like a platitude, like it's not real. And yet half of likely voters in America believe in the real presence of, uh, of Christ in the Eucharist. Like, we are on this road to perdition right now. We're, we're, uh, we're walking towards the, the great man of perdition making his grand unveiling at some point in the future. We have no idea. But college, you is the numbers are frightening and very few seem to be interested. Well, and if, if there is an encyclical that overturns Rovers or, or uh, <laughs> overturns Rovers way, well, you know, kind of interesting. Uh, if if there is an encyclical that overturns Humani Vitae, I do think that um, that we would see that great apostasy at that point because uh, the vast majority of people would either view this papacy as mm -hmm. not the papacy, or the church is defected, or that the, you know that's the one hand, and then you've got the other side where everybody would the the pro aborts, the pro contraceptives. 
would, would look at um, what the Vatican is doing and say, well, you know, I agree with this, and so therefore I'm going to go along with this idea, and they also they, they would be apostates. So now we've got two camps that could possibly be, de be deceived in different ways by the same action. Well, you know, here's the good news, though. All right, so while only 50% of Catholic likely voters believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and a majority of Catholics in America seem to actually favor abortion in some way, shape, or form, um, there are rumors coming out of Chicago that we are going to, instead of addressing all of those things, simply uh, suppress the Institute of Christ the King and the traditional Latin Mass. What is uh, the deal with these allegations coming out of Chicago? I thought you said that was the good news. Well, you know, prioritizing here, Michael. We're just, you know, we're doing the important stuff first, right? Of course. In comparison. Right. Yeah. So the story is that uh, Cardinal Supich is kicking the Institute of Christ the King out of Chicago, and the question is, what does that mean? Um, there's been no official pronouncement. There's been no statement from Cardinal Supich or the Archdiocese, and there has been no actual official statement coming out of the Institute of Christ the King. The institute, the institute has simply said, um, today is a day of adoration. Uh, we, we are praying. Please pray in solidarity with us in order to avert something. But they haven't really explained what that something is. Uh, it seems, at least from rumors and various accounts, that Cardinal Supic is effectively shutting down the Institute's ability to say Mass uh, in the archdiocese, and, and to actually provide the sacraments, so baptism, confirmation, marriage, that kind of thing, uh, in the archdiocese of Chicago. Here's the difficulty. The institute actually owns their own churches. They also own the headquarters, which happens, unfortunately, to be in Chicago. So it's not like Cardinal Supich can evict them from the city, uh, and the institute, I think, probably has no intention of leaving, so we have almost uh, uh, an interesting Mexican standoff, and I'm not entirely sure how it plays out, but uh, I do think that the more prayers that we offer on behalf of the Institute, the greater resolve that they will have in the ability to resist what's going to happen. Uh, Mr. Hitchborn, you know, I, I, did, I did see this uh, on, on many different accounts. Uh, many people were talking about this, but I'm wondering if you know, what was the source of, of this, uh, this account? Is this... Um, from one particular person who is uh, an insider, or uh, what, what? What is it exactly? So there are s several sources in public, uh, but the source of the account is the institute itself, I believe, mm. um, because the everybody has said from the various accounts that I've seen and personally discussed with um, the Cardinal Supich told the institute that he was going to effectively shut them down at the end of the month. So uh, I know that Father Zulsdorf had, had talked about it on his blog. Uh, I actually got a separate phone call about this several days before Father Zulsdorf ever said anything online. So there are various um, sources, and they all come back to the conversation that Supich had with the Institute. And... However, that leaked out from there, I couldn't tell you. But mm. um, but it, it seems to be that it, it, it was born out of that particular conversation. As of this morning, when I came in to prepare for the show, I did check, 
And uh, right now, there's nothing on the Archdiocese of Chicago's website about this whatsoever. Uh, I checked their statements, their news releases, nothing there. Now, you can find an old news release where they deeded the property over to the Institute of Christ the King back in 2016, which means the Institute owns that land now. So they can't That's be right. they can't be physically removed. Um, they just won't be able to say or have public uh, ministry. And then I also checked the uh, the Institute of Christ the King. I checked their website and their Twitter feed as well, and um, and there was nothing there. Now we did a friend of the sh- can, can we say a friend of the show, Adrian? Are yeah, we, we like, can say the friend. A friend of the show, <laughs> uh, someone uh, we we've, we've known quite well uh, over the course of Catholic Drive Time, uh, who lives in Chicago. Uh, did what did they tell you, Adrian? Well, they said that the the canon specifically told them that they didn't want them talking about what was going on. That they just asked that they be praying for the situation, and that they have no official announcements because the news was leaked prematurely. That they have canceled any potential announcements. So they're it's having bizarre. a prayer vigils. Yeah. Uh, well, let's pray for the Institute of Christ the King. But Michael Hitchborn, in the last minute and a half we have with you, how bizarre is it in uh, in a uh, in a time where there are so much grave scandal, so many big issues to deal with, that we focus on squashing tradition, traditional communities, uh, traditional piety, and the love and zeal of those Catholics who want more and not less. From a human standpoint, it makes no sense. Uh, However, from a spiritual standpoint, it makes perfect sense, because what we are seeing is a war being waged on the faith itself. The devil is trying to winnow away the faith of individuals, especially those who hold most dear to what our Lord taught, Um, and the devil is trying to destroy our ability to worship God in the way that God desires to be worshipped. Uh, and, and that war is going to continue all the way till the end of time. And, and what we have to do is resist the devil's attempts. And as we resist and as we hold firm to the teachings of the church, if you look at the way that uh, the church was oppressed during the, or suppressed during the um, uh, various persecutions of mm. ancient a- antiquity, uh, it was Julian the Apostate that actually did the most damage by smothering faith. We're out of time. Sorry, Michael. We'll have to have you back. LepantoIN.org. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Money, sex, power. They're all endlessly enticing, but never fulfilling. They always lead to a dead end. Materialism cannot satisfy. Pleasure loses its pleasure. And most people figure that out. And in desperation, they look anywhere for help except to the church. They look to Eastern philosophies, to spiritualism, to strange new religions, but there's only one answer to their eternal questions. They deny it, they dance around it, they run from it, but they won't try the one thing that works. They won't try it because they know what it costs. Everything. It means taking up your cross and following Jesus in all things. G.K. Chesterton says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition 
and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law. Unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, AveMariaLaw.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Here's a bit of good news. This is from the Epic Times. Headline goes, San Francisco's new DA goes on firing spree after voters recall predecessor. The new district attorney in San Francisco fired at least 15 employees from the prosecutor's office after her left-wing predecessor, Chelsea, Chelsea Bodine, I believe, as I'm pronouncing it correctly, was recalled last month. She says, quote, Today I made a difficult but important change to my management team and staff that will help advance my vision to restore a sense of safety in San Francisco by holding serious and repeat offenders accountable and implementing smart criminal justice reforms, DA Brooke Jenkins said in a statement about the firings. Ground News reports Trudeau and Zelensky to talk turbines as Ukrainian supporters ready to protest. Prime Minister Trudeau is expected to speak with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Relations between the two countries have been strained by Canada's controversial decision to send repaired parts of a Russian natural gas pipeline back to Germany. Earlier this month, Canada agreed to issue an exemption to the economic sanctions issued against Russia in response to the invasion of Ukraine. And Breitbart reports, Soros-linked group wins a $172 million contract from Biden to help border crossers avoid deportation. A left-wing group linked to billionaire George Soros has won nearly $172 million worth of federal contracts from President Joe Biden's administration to help young border crossers avoid deportation, a report revealed this week. The Vera Institute is propelled by taxpayer-backed government grants and contracts like the one it secured in March. Between July 1, 2020 and June 30, 2021, $152 million worth of the group's $191 million in revenue came from the government resources. The Institute seeks to end mass incarceration by cutting down on the number of jails, prisons, and detention centers in the United States. The group has also signaled support for defunding the police. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date on the news, which I wish was was more positive. To be honest, hey, I gave you two good news stories today. Yeah, two, two is great. It's a good start. You want eight? Uh, maybe we should just never talk about the bad stuff. Okay, well, it'll be a shorter segment then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Here in this puppy vale of tears, dogs. it'll just be I a puppy know. dog segment. <laughs> Yikes! Um, Speaking of puppy dogs, we're working on getting Todd. He's not a puppy dog, but <laughs> we're working on getting Todd Benzman on the air right now. He's a journalist uh, about counterterrorism intelligence and the border and so much more. He's written a book. Uh, on the subject of the border, it's called America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration, uh, which you can find on his website, toddbensman.com. But so we're working on getting him on the phone right now. But there are so many stories in regards to the border crisis that are still just mind-blowing. It's, you know, I was watching some, some video footage of Todd discussing this uh, with another outlet. And or I, him actually being at the border and just interviewing all of these migrants coming across the border. And many of them, many of them were saying, um, we came because of Title 42 being done away with. We came because of Joe Biden encouraging us. In fact, he interviewed entire groups. He would just randomly say, hey, why are you coming? Oh, President Joe Biden's welcoming us. This is wonderful. And then they just come across the border. There seems to be no... 
no uh, preventing them in any way, shape, or form. There doesn't seem to be any resistance to them coming across the border. And then, of course, you realize that the majority of these folks, they're not from Mexico, okay? They're from many other parts of the world, to include countries like uh, Yemen, for instance. And then I was listening to Todd talk about this, and I was listening to him discuss how the cartels make their money. You know, we see these cartel members coming, or not the cartel members, the actual immigrants coming across the border with these bands on their wrists. They pay thousands of dollars to receive those bans, which gives them access to coming across the border. So it's the cartels that control the border. They have a system of command and control, whereas we don't seem to have such a system. They do. And these migrants, wherever they're from, there was uh, many that he interviewed from Cuba, for instance, coming here from communist Cuba looking for freedom. I don't fault them for wanting freedom. Uh, I would want freedom. But nonetheless, they, they come here from all over Yemen, like I said, Latin America, places of China. We're seeing people come across our border from all over the world. But they have to have these bans. So they pay thousands of dollars to get the band. Now, they don't have the money. So where do they get the money to pay the cartels? Well, they borrow the money. Well, whom did they borrow the money from? They borrow the money from the cartels to come over the border and when they get here, they expect to stay here. And under the current system, we don't even try to stop them. We welcome them. Our system is about receiving. So it's like we're cooperating with the cartels in such a way as the cartels, they're in the logistics business of getting them to the border, and the American government's in the business of accepting them and then docking them into the United States. Oh, and also your tax dollars, my tax dollars are paying to uh, to take the the migrants that are pregnant to abortion facilities in states that allow for it. So direct involvement from your tax dollars and my tax dollars in the abortion business. Oh, and by the way, we don't know the ages of those ladies that are getting those abortions. Some of them are minors. So. It boggles the mind because now, according to Todd, and hopefully uh, we're going to get him on, uh, they're making more money, billions upon billions of dollars per year in the human trafficking business. So I go back to what I always think of when I come across these stories, whether it's the massive migrant uh, flows that have been coming across the border in the last week, two weeks, uh, or not, Title 42, or not. How many homilies do we hear preached against the cartels? How many clear statements do we receive from the clergy of the church, the hierarchy of the church, utterly condemning and begging the faithful all across the world to never cooperate with the cartels? Or do does the church, the hierarchy, members of the church... Do we see this as a lesser of two evils? Do they think, well, their, their current living circumstances are so bad that it therefore is okay to work with the cartels? I wonder if that's part of their psyche, their, their argumentation, their logic, their thinking. I would disagree completely. I mean, I don't doubt that in Mozambique right now, for instance, where Christians are being beheaded by Islamic terrorists and no one is coming to their rescue 
because we don't really care what happens to African sub-Saharan Africa unless it involves us getting some gain of oil or uh, you know the the rare earth materials that make our wonderful Tesla batteries, our solar panels, so we can li- live our Green New Deal. Outside of that, how much do we actually care about the living circumstances of Africans? Not much. I mean, Nigerian Christians should be testimony enough of their living conditions being so insane at the hands of Fulani Muslims. And yet, and yet, we're not coming to their rescue. So I, I, I keep coming back when it, when it comes to the border issue. Again, I'll say I don't fault a person coming from another part of the world, wanting to come to America, wanting to find freedom, a better life, higher quality of life, provide for their family. Did you know St. Padre Pio's father had to come to America to earn enough money so that he could go through his seminary in formation? Again, I don't fault him for that. I would do that in a heartbeat if that's what was necessary. But does that mean we turn a blind eye to the pure evil that is the system that manipulates the immigrant coming across that border? Do we just pretend as though it's okay? I mean, we have laws for a reason. I was watching a video clip. There was a case. uh, I think it's also out of Minneapolis. Uh, I'm doing this straight off the top of my head right now. But there was a case uh, recently where uh, some police officers shot and killed uh, an armed man who happened to be black. And protesters began to spring up in protest. Now, it just so happened that this particular individual had opened fire into an apartment build, apartment uh, where a woman and her child were, or her children, and she barely made it out alive. He was just blazing away into her apartment. I don't know why he was doing this. I have no idea. But by the grace of God, she nor her children were, were killed. But the protesters are all mad because the man died. And she came out yelling and screaming at them. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you yelling and screaming at us? I mean, you're alive. He's not. You have no holes in you. He does. I want you to think about that for a second. Do we as Catholics believe that it's okay to just allow people to just break in and steal? Is it okay to allow people to kill as they see fit and we stand by and do nothing? Are Catholics meant to be pacifists? You know, I saw another video over the weekend in uh, your neck of the woods, Rudy Carlos. And by your your neck of the woods, I mean San Francisco. Oh, no, that's not. No. It's all the same. No. It's all the same. (laughs) Uh, Up in San Francisco, some some guys in the middle of the day uh, stopping, breaking into a van and stealing everything out of it. And then just driving away. It's, no, no one stops them. Uh, there is zero effort by the city to, to curb that violence. How is it just, how is it right to stand by and watch the human trafficking happen under our nose to the tune of billions of dollars and we cooperate with it? How is that okay? Why do we as Catholics think that that is acceptable? I asked that question. I think we should ponder that. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is coming up next.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic Church apart from all other churches? Yes, there is. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. That word is retain. How can one word bring such distinction? Well, understanding that retain means to hold back or to keep. Jesus tells the apostles, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Secondly, so what does that world say about sin? The therapist says, forgive yourself. New Agers say it's just a state of mind. And the evangelical says, just tell Jesus no matter how grave the sin, he'll forgive you directly. And finally, the word retain. We all know that non-Catholics don't go to a pastor to confess grave sins. Why? Because in Protestant thinking, you get to leapfrog humans and go directly to Jesus. And guys, let's don't hide under the newest term, be accountable. Hey, we all will be accountable up to the point that it hurts, is embarrassing, or is criminal. My priest can say, Steve, your sin's not forgiven. Does your pastor? I think not. Why? Have you ever heard backlash, decreasing church attendance, and loss of revenue? There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I don't know if you've been noticing this. I'm going to switch subjects on you. There have been riots all over the planet this last few weeks. That's true. I mean, have you heard about them? I've been trying to share like little bits and pieces on my Twitter feed just so that you can be like aware of them like i'm not diving too deep into any one of them besides we did we did discuss the dutch farmer case mm-hmm. and we're hoping to do that again actually because yeah. it is a pivotal case in and it actually connects the dots all over the world but um not just in sri lanka but uh not just the netherlands but uh argentina was one of them i mean there were there was like rome of course or italy i think it had naples was it naples in italy yeah there was um there was another one over the weekend i have to look it up but there was like another one like out of middle of like just a country you would not have expected oh panama it was in panama <laughs> um just so many places there are these big protests france is having some pretty big protests right again right now there's a lot of unrest on the planet also, a lot of people resigning from their government positions. Yes, which is very. It's yeah. very interesting. Uh, people just quitting. There's it's a odd. rash of it. There is a rash of it for sure. There's this uh, article out of the Daily Signal that gets into a little bit more of the details about this. Uh, the headline says Sri Lanka collapses and Dutch farmers revolt. Blame green policies. Let me read a little of this to you. Um, Sri Lanka is on fire. And enraged protesters have stormed the presidential palace. You knew that. We talked about that, of course. Dutch farmers continue to protest all across the Netherlands by blocking roads with their tractors. Germany, Italy, and Poland have all had their own farmers protest inspired by the Dutch. Adrian, I'm still sharing my desktop there. It says... uh, Around the globe, protesters are expressing just how fed up they are with failed green policies. The tension has been brewing for a long time. Last December, Sri Lanka's government banned chemical fertilizers to force the country to move forward uh, uh, toward organic 
and environmentally friendly farming. There's the link to the Dutch farmer story. They are having a, they're they're having a protest because their government has embraced the Agenda 2030 program, which is World Economic Forum, United Nations, etc. Of, uh, of carbon and all but kinds also of the things. fertilizers, fertilizers, the nitrogen mm -hmm. and the fertilizers. They're curbing that. Well, guess what? This started in Sri Lanka, well before it started in the Netherlands, and see how it ended there. The article goes on to say, the tension has been brewing for a long time. Last December, Sri Lanka's government banned chemical fertilizers to force the country to move toward organic environmentally farming. The results have been catastrophic. After only seven months, the government was forced to revoke the program as crop yields plummeted and food prices skyrocketed. The New York Times reported that rice prices shot up by nearly one-third while prices for vegetables rose five times what they were the year before. Starving and unable to find relief, Sri Lankans began to rise up and revolt against their climate-obsessed government. On July 9th, thousands converged on the presidential residence and stormed the gates. The president wisely fled, promising to resign, and finally did so on Thursday. Meanwhile, more than 5,000 miles away, Dutch farmers have spent the past three years protesting increasingly odious environmental regulations in their country. Things hit a fever pitch in June when the Dutch government announced a series of plans to try to reduce nitrogen oxide and ammonia emissions by 50% by 2030. The government has blocked the construction of new homes, roads, and airport runways because they required machinery emits uh, uh, nitrogen oxides. Those same oxides and ammonia are two compounds also found in large quantities in animal feces. Thus, the government's plan to cut down on those emissions would disproportionately affect Dutch farmers. I should say, I think I read that incorrectly. What I meant to say was they don't want equipment that emits uh, those things. In response, farmers from across the Netherlands have taken a page out of the Freedom Convoy protest in North America and used, its, uh, used their tractors to block critical traffic uh, arteries and force concessions from the state. It is clear that moves by world governments to prostrate, prostrate themselves on the altar of environmentalism are neither effective nor popular with their citizens. And I guess that's a big point for me right there. Remember the 2020 riots? Mm -hmm. And they were happening and they're breaking out. And, it was, and you go back to Australia. Right? You remember like the pro protests in Australia, the people, and I think it was Queensland, in the state of Queensland, they were like, we don't like this draconian lockdown that's very much like China. And I always ask the question, College you is, shouldn't the government be of the people and by the people? I mean, I get it. They have different forms of government in different parts of the world. But ultimately, government's supposed to represent the people, no matter what form it takes. The they, yeah, it should represent the common good. And if the people don't want this, then what makes government think that it's still okay to do it in spite of it all? You know what I mean? Like, that boggles my mind. Like, if, if a vast majority of the people are, are like, listen, well, we don't want to do this. Okay. Yes, but, 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 no, no, we just, we just don't want to do this. <laughs> like, what, what makes government still go, yeah, we're going to do it anyway? I think it's because people are complacent. I mean, people can disagree with the government all they want, but at the end of the day, what 
what do they do in order to change any of the, the policies that the government passes or proposes? Yeah, not much. It's bizarre to me because it looks to me like the people all across the planet are rising up in protest. Now, you might argue, Joe, small fraction, only a tiny sliver of the actual populations are doing anything. Maybe that's true. Maybe what we're seeing here is uh, sort of an embellishment of, of the concerned citizens at each one of these particular countries. And therefore, it, does it make a difference at that point? Well, at the end of the day, as Catholics, we believe in right versus wrong, not right versus left. We adhere to uh, you know, natural law and divine revelation more than we, re- we adhere to the talking points out of our favorite political party. And is it right for governments to utterly transform society and the foods that they eat are allowed to eat if, in fact, um, the people are like, we don't want this? Like, would it be okay? Is it somehow okay to say, you know what, we're no longer going to eat beef. We don't want cows anymore because they flatulate and they ruin the environment. That's a really great point. You know, it, it brings something else up. You know, I, I just wonder sometimes when you hear about the World Economic Forum. I mean, these people aren't any, they're, they're not people that you elect. You know, it's not like uh, you have any say on what they talk about or what they present. You have no influence over their organization, but they have quite a massive influence over the governance of yeah. people. Yeah. And that to me seems like a conflict of interest because they're passing agendas like the Agenda 2030. Mm hmm. And that's going to force you, uh, dear listener, uh, because it's not just happening out in Europe and outside of the world. It's happening here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to force you to get a new car. It's going to force you to eat different things. It's going to make you, Mm. it's going to make it so that everything's much more expensive and harder for you to do things. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask a fundamentally philosophical question. Maybe it's uh, rhetorical. It's just too bad that God didn't know that cows were going to flatulate. (laughs) college you is lord what were you thinking oh man what were you thinking i mean if animals you know they pass gas they ruin the environment lord didn't you know that when you when you fashioned them by the sheer thought of in your mind i mean like what was the lord thinking that's the hypothetical or rhetorical question maybe we should ponder today. But uh, it kind of links into, so this green push, not only does it ignore the plight of sub-Saharan Africans who are digging with their bare hands into the, into the dirt in order to bring us the, the um, materials we need. I mean, mostly China. They mostly give them to China because they own most of it. But these poor Africans are digging into the dirt to give us the materials we need for our Green New Deal, for our batteries and our electric vehicles and our solar panels, which I own, by the way, so I'm as guilty as the next person at this. Joe, um, how do you sleep at night? It's hard, actually, uh, because their waterways are being polluted and their children are being born with birth, de- birth defects, but nobody seems to care about that. Nonetheless, we want our, our renewable energies. Uh, Texas is, by the way, getting constant uh, warnings from the electrical grid to say, hey, please don't use electricity right now because we're, <laughs> we're afraid we're going to have to turn stuff off. I always laugh at this. We don't have enough supply to meet the demand because, you know, solar panels... And wind farms aren't cutting it in the great state of Texas with all of its oil deposits. But nonetheless, you're saying that wind doesn't blow constantly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) hmm, at least not on the high plains of the uh, Texas desert so far. Um, But there was this other story that uh, that we saw that came out over the weekend or last week.
that uh, in the uh, the funding bill for the U.S. military, there is a pilot program on research and development of plant-based proteins. And in the bill, there's a section there where it establishes a pilot program to offer plant-based protein options at naval bases, specifically bases where livestock-based protein options may be costly to obtain or store, and where the bugs and fake meat will be served. So mm. now, there's a little bit of embellishment there. The actual program and the documentation does state, okay, we want to have vegetable alternative proteins to, to you know, cows, pigs, chickens, things like that. You want to stop the cows flatulating, but mm -hmm. you're going to give the, mm -hmm. the soldiers beans? What do you think is going to happen? Well, they want to do vegetable-based proteins that they can grow in labs and package and, and whatever. But, then, uh, but there's this other that they put in the document. So you've got vegetable-based proteins and animal-based proteins, but they include the word other and other. And you've got to wonder, what is the other like, other than vegetable and animal, what's an other? It's scientific, you know, uh, the scientifically produced in-lab proteins. but Because they take human enzymes and they mess with the human enzymes to create these proteins they can create meat products off of. And, mm -hmm. But so there is a push to say, if you're going to sell this to the American people, you have to clearly label on the packaging in huge, like, it's got to be obvious, this is not from an animal, it's from a vegetable, it's from a lab, it's from insects, or whatever it is. But this is what they are actually trying to do. So Navy personnel, sailors, are soon going to be fed other protein-based foods in their cafeterias. You know, and that won't affect officers who don't have to eat in the cafeteria. It'll be the enlist, low-ranking enlisted sailors who have no choice but to eat in the cafeteria that may and get to enjoy you know, the, uh, the uh, St. John the Baptist meal plan of locusts and wild honey. Do they get honey? They probably don't get the honey. <laughs> they probably don't get the honey. Just the wild locusts, I suppose. Yummy. Golly, you is. How do we feel about this as Catholics? Are we okay with all of this? Do we uh, ignore the plight and suffering of the Sri Lankan people starving to death because we want a green new world? I wonder. Hey, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the Vax Mandate with David y Davis Yance. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. We'll see you over there. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small t tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. We live with the illusion that we are in control. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Yet, how much of life actually is under our control? We need to develop our talents and make prudent preparations for the future. But how many times have our plans been sidetracked by forces outside our control? 
Sometimes unexpected changes have even opened up new opportunities. In his rule, St. Benedict talks about the beauty and purpose of monastic life. The rule is very successful at separating the monks who live according to its teaching from the illusion of control, giving us a peaceful confidence in God's provident care. For your free copy of the Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. It's all preparation for our last act of letting go of control when we will have to commend our life trustingly into the Father's hands and death. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Hey, I'm Hallie from St. Edward Youth Group, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClendon. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Hey, I wonder if you got our CDT Insider email over the weekend, what you thought about this week's uh, little goodie that I sent to you. A little blast from the past. Gregory Peck. It's hard to argue with Gregory Peck as as King (laughs) David. And he looks so baller as King David. (laughs) So awesome. Rita Hayworth. It was so good. So good. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I try to send you something every single week. So uh, make sure you're on our CDT Insider email. You can do that by signing up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can just look for the CDT Insider email list right there. Praise be to God. Uh, so much in the news that we were discussing last hour. Hopefully you, uh, you were able to catch that. If you weren't, you can always join us by our podcast Go to uh, our website again. You can find it linked up there, or you can go on to, uh, let's see, we're on uh, Apple iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify. We're also on our mobile app, which is a fantastic way to stay connected to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Just download it in your iOS app store, search for the Guadalupe Radio Network, you'll find it. You can listen to the local live GRN station, find your contact information for the local general manager. You can also find programming information there. And in the flyout, you can catch the Catholic Drive Time podcast and other podcasts produced by the GRN. So, fantastic way to stay up to date. Now, if you are forced to, by no fault of your own, to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, then you are uh, legally obligated to leave us a five-star review. Don't don't fact check me. Just go with it. Just five star <laughs> review. Leave it right there. Praise be to God. So check it out today. Uh, joining us right now, though, via Zoom chat is our uh, a friend and attorney of the show, uh, Davis Yance, and he represents many members of the military fighting for their religious liberty and their rights, and to include his own. And we're gl- grateful to have him back on the program this morning. Good morning to you, Davis Yance. Hey, good morning, brothers. Good praise to talk be, to you. Praise be to God. Uh, it's good to see you. And every time I see you, that beard is looking more and more majestic. It's just <laughs> so good. So good. Got, you got good genetics there, Mr. Yance. Uh, let's talk about this big news that came out last week. An Ohio judge uh, blocked uh, a, a temporary moratorium on the, the VAX mandate for Air Force personnel. Tell us about this. Yeah, this is huge. It's very similar to what Judge O'Connor did in the Texas case involving the Navy. So Judge McFarland in Ohio has issued a temporary restraining order 
which prevents the Air Force from uh, disciplining, taking adverse action against, or discharging members of the United States Air Force um, who submitted a religious accommodation. And we can talk a little bit more about the details and kind of the parameters of that. But it, but it's huge because it puts a hard stop to the enforcement of the vaccine mandate for all of those who are fighting it because of their faith, uh, based on, on their religious faith. So it's huge. It's temporary. It's, it's in place for 14 days. The judge gave the Department of Defense, Department of Justice, seven days to respond. But what's encouraging to all of us is this judge, Judge McFarland, heavily quoted the language um, that Judge O'Connor used, the same principles, the same ideas that Judge O'Connor used in the Texas case. That injunction went went from a temporary restraining order to a permanent injunction. Um, we believe and hope the same thing will happen here because we don't see anything that the Air Force could say, the Department of Justice could say in response to this temporary restraining order that would change Judge McFarland's mind at this point. Um, well, I've heard reports that there are some 700-plus pilots, I don't know if they're all in the Air Force or maybe they're spread throughout the branches, that are all facing a discharge over this issue. Uh, I just, What would that do to our capability to own the skies under a serious conflict? Absolutely terrifying when you think about military readiness and you just think about the number of people that we're talking about and you're talking about the skill sets. You know, when you think about my, my brother is a Navy pilot, he flies Hornets off a carrier. It takes seven years to go from officer training in the Navy to being a truly combat ready pilot. And, and it's a similar timeline for the Air Force. I mean, you can fly the plane, but to actually have the skill sets you need to be effective to lead missions in combat, you're looking at a seven-year window. So in the midst of Christians being discharged at just, I mean, last week there was a story that came out on Breitbart. 260,000 members of the United States military were not in compliance with the vaccine mandate. That's DOD's own numbers that they're reporting to Congress. 260,000. So you take 700 pilots, you take a, a significant percentage of Navy SEALs, you take a significant percentage of Coast Guard rescue divers. I mean, just the concerns that I have that many of my clients have over the military readiness issue is, is huge. Yeah, especially at a time when all of the, it seems like there's a lot of um, uh, a, uh, heating up in the Pacific, you know, uh, China kind of constantly moving around, building bases and that sort of thing. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Would we own the skies in Taiwan? Would, would we even bother <laughs> to try is the next question. Um, and there was, of course, 40,000-plus National Guard troops that are no longer going to be paid? That's right. And so, again, you know, understanding how the National Guard works um, is critical. So National Guard members, they drill every month. So you show up every month, one week in a month, two weeks in the summer, and you prepare for to be ready to deploy. You prepare for these missions. So that's part of what the National Guard does. And so with the federal government, DOD policy, you know, the Army is pushing is not allowing anyone who hasn't been fully vaccinated to show up for drill. So, again, when you think in terms of my client's concerns about readiness, that's a huge deal because the National Guard is a key part of our force. It's a part of our infrastructure. It's how we plus up and get ready to deploy. And if they're not able to come and drill and prepare and do that critical training, their skill sets are going to quickly lapse. Equipment's going to fall into disrepair. So huge concern with my clients. I mean, the pilots alone really are pretty scary just considering how much air power plays a role in all of conflict management for the U.S. military. So that's going to have huge ramifications. I guess the clear winner in that scenario is the, the airline carriers who are 
so desperate for pilots at this point. They would love to have 700 um, uh, pilots come into the job sector and they could, you know, make the flights steady again, I suppose. But do you, let me ask you a question. Do, do you believe or is there, is there a general feeling here that the military is simply leveraging this opportunity to target Christians among the ranks? So I, I hesitated to say things like this. I've hesitated to think that because I have served myself for almost 20 years. But, but the bottom line is the numbers, the statistics, and what's happening, the way Christians are being treated right now, I don't think there's any other conclusion that my clients can reach. This does feel like a purge. I mean, just looking at what the judge did in the Ohio case, less than 1% of those that have submitted a religious accommodation request as it relates to the vaccine have even gotten any kind of a fair review. The only people that have gotten approved are people that already have an approved separation date. So you have multiple federal judges across the country looking at this and going, this is political theater. This is a ruse. The military is not taking these religious accommodation requests seriously. So, so as Christians, how do we, as people of faith, how do we react to that? When there's a religious accommodation process in place, it's been in place for years. I mean, again, we, we joke about my beard. I've said this before to you. You know, if I said I was a neo-pagan Norse Viking <laughs> and that was my religious faith and I needed a beard waiver, I would get it in the DOD today. But wow. if I'm a, a conservative Catholic, if I'm a conservative Orthodox Christian and I say I can't take your experimental medical treatment because it's tied to the abortion, to the murder of children, then there's no place for me in the military today. If I have a, a biblical view of marriage, there's no place for me in the military today. So absolutely, the battles, the cultural battles we see in society, the military reflects that, and it does feel to many of my clients like that's precisely what's going on here. I mean, most of the world has already moved on past the pandemic, uh, and it's become really uh, not a real issue anymore, although there's talk of a new strain, but still the world seems to have moved on beyond this. But the military's focused on this um, myopically. They're still requiring a vaccination when, they're, when the infection rates are at all-time lows. How else do you interpret all of this? I mean, it does, the context seems to be missing for a mandate at this point. And absolutely, still ignoring natural immunity, and then you just see absurd things happening. I, I have a client who was a Navy pilot. He volunteered to leave early because of this mandate. They let him out, and now he's working for a contractor. And you know what he does with that contractor? He flies fighter jets for a contractor and does and works with the Navy, <laughs> flying fighter jets for a contractor. So, I, I mean, these... These policies have consequences. It feels very, very political, and it, it does not make scientific or medical sense at this point. He probably makes more money into those circumstances. He does. He does. <laughs> so you're, you're saying I can still fly Navy pilots, Navy planes, and make more money. Deal. Let's do right. this thing. <laughs> right. And sit right next to and work every day with the same right. uniform-wearing Navy pilots that I was before, <laughs> yeah. but because I'm wearing a different uniform, now I can, now yeah. I can do it, and we're safe. And without having to do the sit-ups or the run. Yeah, it's great. It's a good deal if you can get it. Praise be to God. But, I, okay, so I also think back of stories that are older now, many years old, of like, for instance, the U.S. Air Force Academy accepting, uh, you know, witchcraft as an official religious group. And, and it seems like the movement towards this, the condition that we're under now in our military, has been brewing for some time. And if they can eject tens of thousands of of uh, of Christians out of the military, we're not going to see any improvements 
in the current climate and culture of the military. It's only going to get worse. And without that ethic, without that uh, moral code, um, I see even more abuse in the future. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, that's a concern that I have. Again, a concern my clients have. Our military is based on a constitutional footing, right? The idea that our military officers swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution. You know that. You serve. But, but just as our founding fathers were concerned, hey, if we don't have a moral basis, if we don't have a biblical understanding as a foundation, uh, we drift. And, and how do we keep a republic in that setting? So it's a huge concern. Um, that's why we need to continue to push. You know, just simply getting people out, being, people being allowed to leave isn't enough. Um, to most of my clients, it's, it's a concern that I have. I think this battle, this fight for the heart and soul of the military is going to continue because it's critically important. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. critical. And I, I know some guys that go to our church, they're getting ready to go to the military, and I just shake my head to say, how, how is it that you're only going to be putting yourself through a very difficult future of possibly being fired and separated from the military and having that on your record because uh, of what they're going to force you to do? I don't understand how we are continuing to want to support a culture in which we send our children to this woke ideology unless something drastically changes. How would you address that with parents? I, I have been urging extreme caution to a lot of parents. I mean, for the last really year and a half, two years, for the first time in my life, I've been discouraging um, young men from joining the military because of that concern. So that's I, I get calls from parents every day. We have that conversation every day. Um, and so I ask, why? Why are you doing this? What are your goals? Um, but you're seeing that. It's not just those anecdotal stories. Recruiting is down. The numbers are incredible when you look at recruiting across the services. So all of these policies are having a huge impact. And the normal sort of uh, patriotic, faith-based folks are not joining the military like they used to. It would require a massive change. You'd have to probably not just the Department of Defense as far as the secretary goes. You'd have to have generals being changed out in ideology. And we just don't see that happening anytime soon. Even under a new administration, that would be incredibly difficult to pull off, I imagine. It would take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of time and structural change and just a lot of prayer. Mm. Last question with uh, R. Davis Yance. Uh, this Ohio blocking, this judge in Ohio who blocked temporarily this vax mandate, that affects you personally. You're... Your 19 and a half years of service uh, for our country, you may or may not make retirement at this point. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, so I submitted a religious accommodation request. It was denied. I submitted an appeal. That was denied on the 30th of June. So that put me into a window where I had to, um, I wasn't even eligible to apply for retirement under the normal process because they've shortened the window. So I was waiting myself for potentially adverse action or to be put in a no paint points, no pay status once this decision came down. So not just many of my clients, this decision impacted me personally um, and and should help, I, I believe, get me to 20 years. Well, we pray that you do. You deserve it. You've earned it. Thank you for your service. Well, praise be to God. R. Davis, Yance, uh, we appreciate your insight into this. We look forward to having you back soon. Check them out online at yauntslaw.com. That's Y-O-U-N-T-S. Yancelaw.com. R. Davis Yance, God bless you. God love you, brother. Have a great day. God bless you. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to play our game show. Prizes, new prizes are at stake this week. It should be fun. You're going to learn something, I promise you. 
Give us a call right now if you would like to play at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. Be right back. What does the word apologetics mean? The word apologetics is derived from an ancient Greek word apologia or apologia, which means an apology. Not an apology in the modern sense of the word, which is to say you're sorry for something, but rather an apology in the ancient sense of the word, which is to make a reasoned defense of something or someone. In ancient times, the word apology referred to the case a lawyer would make on behalf of his client. So apologetics is about building the case for our faith, learning how to explain and defend our faith. Basically, there are three types of apologetics, natural, Christian, and Catholic. Natural apologetics builds a case for truths that we can know from the natural light of reason. Truths that are able to be known without any divine intervention. Truths such as the existence of God, the innate spirituality of the human soul, the objective reality of right and wrong. Truths which the articles of our faith rest upon and build upon. Christian apologetics, on the other hand, builds the case for divinely revealed truths. Truths that cannot be known by reason apart from faith. Truths such as the reality of biblical miracles, the divinity of Christ, the virgin birth, and the resurrection, to name a few. Catholic apologetics encompasses all of Christian apologetics since Catholicism is the fullness of Christianity, but Catholic apologetics tends to focus on those truths of Christianity that are not generally believed by non-Catholic Christians. Truths such as the Catholic Church having been founded by Jesus Christ, the papacy, the sacraments, the Immaculate Conception, and others. Again, the three main types of apologetics are natural, Christian, and Catholic. And in this course, we will be focusing mainly on Catholic apologetics, how to explain and defend the truths of our Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. And if you would like to play, and it's really pretty easy, the phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now to be our first caller. Gets to uh, play the game and be our contestant. And there's a brand new prize this week. It's kind of cool. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now to play the game Fear and Trembling at 877-757-9424. But there are, as I say, several things we like to do that, uh, hmm, we don't want anybody to know, okay? So, so you, close your ears. Yeah. No, no you, you, you're allowed to hear <laughs> them, but you just got to keep them between us. That's uh, all. Okay. It's like what happens on CDT stays on CDT. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or else. Or <laughs> number one, <laughs> we like to teach the faith. All right, so we secretly look for teachable moments in the questions where you are going to very sneakily learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. All right, number two. We like to have a laugh. 
So we uh, we we manipulate the uh, callers into laughing with us. You manipulate. Wait, the no, <laughs> no. I am on their side. Mm. I'm their only advocate on the show. Mm-hmm. Their bestie in the whole process. Sounds like an abusive relationship. No, what are you I'm on your about? side? No. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, was that Palpatine? I, no. no. Anyway. anyway. No. Right, and then number three, we like to give out prizes, which means it's uh, completely a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, I shall explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but we do not ask the caller the question. So they don't need to know any of the correct answers, but could still win our game. Praise, uh, praise be to God. Uh, but the deal is, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The caller, uh, the other one will give an incorrect answer, and the caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust, Rudy or Adrian? And with my great guidance and counsel, <laughs> hopefully they'll make a wise choice, and they will get into the cup. And what could they win this week? Praise be to God, Joe. This week we're teaming up with Saint Wave Apparel, and the winner this week can win one item from their entire lineup of items on their shop. Now, if you're in the market for unique designs and throwback aesthetics, then uh, you're going to be at home with Saint Wave Apparel. You don't need to be a saint to enjoy these garments, but it couldn't hurt, they say. So check out their Etsy shop at uh, etsy.com slash shop slash Saint Wave Apparel. Thank you so much. Really oh, cool stuff. Yeah. Praise be to God. We're so very grateful to Saint Wave Apparel this week. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, O'Connell family, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. We got the whole family here. Are we talking grandmas and grandpas, aunties and uncles too? <laughs> I go, it's a coach bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the Partridge family. This is amazing. Well, good morning to you, O'Connell family. Where are you calling from? We are driving an an I ten going to Schulenburg, Texas. Ooh, I'm so cool. jealous. Why are you headed to Schulenburg? We are uh, going to do the Painted Churches uh, tour. Nice. Bring us back some peaches. Oh, that's so awesome! Praise be to God. Have you ever have you ever been on a Painted Church tour before? Never. This is our first. Oh, it's special. You're going to really, really enjoy that. The painted churches are pretty amazing. Uh, immigrants coming to our country, making beautiful churches with whatever they had available, and they are stunning. So uh, enjoy that. Congratulations. Now, O'Connell family, uh, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how this works? Uh, sort of. Okay. Okay. Well, rule number one, I'm on your side. It's just us. Right. It's me mm, and you. Don't believe him. Against the other two. Yeah, don't believe him. I'm your, your, your counsel. You. I'm your help. Let's don't see if we can't get through this. But I'll ask them the questions, so you, O'Connell family, don't need to know the correct answers. One of them will give you a right answer. The other will give you an incorrect answer. And then you will have 15 seconds to decide who do you trust more, Rudy or Adrian. And then every correct answer goes into the cup to win this week's prize. Are you ready to play? Yes, we are. Are we? Yeah, we're ready. Praise be to God. All right, here we go. We'll start with Team Rudy, as is our custom, sporting the uh, maroon tie today with the tr- the trad suspenders. Giga Maggies, yeah. as they say. Giga Maggies. I was made to say that. <laughs> <laughs> For legal reasons, that's a joke. Just so you know. All right, um, Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. It's good to see you again. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Hmm. Are you really sure? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's do this then. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries? 
You know, it's disputed. Some say that uh, this angel came to our Blessed Mother and mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. said, hey, I got a message for you. But really what he said was, mm-hmm. telegram. And then she said, what? What? Monday? And that angel was St. <laughs> Gabriel. Uh, Saint, Saint Gabriel, you say. Saint Gabriel. Saint Gabriel's your answer. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, Adrian. That's me. Good morning to you. Good morning. Can you tell me who is the patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries? Ah, uh, yes. That would be Saint Hermes. Saint Hermes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Also known as Saint Mercury. Really? That's another name for him. Wow. He went postal. One I've time. heard of Hermy and Wormy. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a cartoon oh. by a Protestant called okay. Max Lucado. Well, I've never heard of Saint Hermes. It's not. It's not related <laughs> to that at all. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Not. Not. Not the same. No. Got no worms. It. No worms involved. No. Okay. No worms involved. Praise be to God. Because we probably have to eat those soon. At any rate, right. all right, O'Connell family, uh, who is the patron saint of postal workers and deliveries? Is it Saint Hermes, as Adrian is suggesting, or is it? St. Gabriel, as Rudy seems to think. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? O'Connell family, what say you? St. Gabriel, the archangel. Oh, Rudy, right? Yeah, you, you got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good job. Hey, you guys aren't Googling this, are you? You're not, yeah, no yeah. Googling. You're How did you know it wasn't St. Hermes? I was confident there. <laughs> A little too confident. A little too confident. Telegram. Could you imagine? That'd be horrible. Anyway, uh, Gabriel, St. Gabriel is the correct answer. Praise be to God. Let's yeah. see if Hermes is a Greek god, so yeah. a demon. Less, less than optimal? Less than optimal, yeah. would you say, Adrian? Uh, you know, slightly less than optimal. Slightly yeah. less than optimal to have a On Greek god as a Pachamama, you know. Yeah, that's right. All right, here we go. Question number two. We're going to start with Adrian first. Hey, that's me. Now, I don't know if you know this, guys, but Adrian is an expert, world-renowned, mind you, on numerology. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. He is consulted by from people on Twitter from all over the planet on the meanings of things. So, let's it's see. True. Adrian, can you tell me, what are the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit? Yes. As a doctor in fruitology um, <laughs> and a self-identified doctor in the Holy Spirit, oh, okay. I am also a self-proclaimed doctor in numerology. Wow. So, with my three doctrines, I know for a fact... At the fruits of the Holy mm-hmm. Ghost mm-hmm. equal 12. 12. 12. Okay. 12. Solid True answer, 12. Right there. Solid answer. Let's just see what Rudy says, though. Rudy, can you tell me, what are the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit, sir? All right. So you're walking up to mm-hmm. a tree, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. And you're looking to the left, you're looking to the oh, right. okay. Then you're looking up, and you're like, whoa. Whoa. That's a lot of cherries up there on that tree. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it seems like it's an infinite amount. Okay. Kind of like the hairs on your head. <laughs> so, therefore, my answer is the fruits uh-huh. of the Holy Ghost uh-huh. are an infinite amount. Yeah. Wow. Infinite like the hairs on my head. Yeah. There are not a lot of hairs on Joe's head, just for the record. <laughs> just, just for the record. That's <laughs> not what I meant. Just, I meant the scripture. Oh, oh, God knows how many right, hairs we're are We're going to run out of time. Uh, O'Connell family, is uh, the total number of fruits of the Holy Ghost... Is it infinite, as Rudy seems to think, or is it 12, as Adrian says? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? O'Connell family, what say you? We'll go with Adrian. 12. 12. Yes. Are you guys Rocky fans, by the way? Do you guys like Rocky? The movies? 
Rocky, yeah. Rocky yeah. 22 was a good film I heard. Rocky and Bowling. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky and Bowling. Yeah, 12 is the correct answer. Congratulations, you're in the cup twice. Let's go for a perfect score. And I want to say this next one, easily the hardest question of the day. Nah, this easy. It's easy question. No, keep breezy. Don't listen to him. Easy, easy. the hardest question of the day. Very easy question. Let's see. We're gonna go to Rudy first. Rudy, can you tell me what is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy? All right. So back in the '90s, the Pope was a really big basketball fan, and he was like, "Whenever I make a decree, I'm going to call it the Golden Bulls," because he was a Bulls fan. (laughs) See, now did he say that with the tongue hanging out, like 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 Jordan did? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay, he dunked on him. Yeah, yeah, like backwards. It's like here's my bull. Boom, it's golden. Okay. Hey, Adrian, can you tell me what is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy? Yeah, that would be a dogmatic council. Really? Yes. A dogmatic council, mm-hmm. you say? Yep. Not uh, Golden Bull. No, not Golden Bull. Not Golden Bulls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, O'Connell family, I'm so glad that you guys are experts on papal documents because you may need that expertise right now. What is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy? Is it dogmatic Councils, as Adrian says, or Golden Bulls, as Rudy says. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? O'Connell family, what say you? Uh, dogmatic. It is difficult. Um, dogmatic council? Yeah. Go, 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 go. Oh! It has nothing to do with basketball. It has to do with the fact that the, the seal on the bull is made of gold instead of golden it's, it's a golden the seal. Cor- I, I know. I, that's why I warned you it was the hardest question. Do golden Bulls is the correct answer, but you guys are in for two. Congratulations. Thanks for playing with us and having a laugh. You guys have a great trip in your tour, but we're going to put you on hold. Thank you for playing our game. All right, guys. God bless you. That's going to do it for the radio side. Join us on the live video feed. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Camilla Stavellis. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, Thou silver moon with softer gleam, O praise Him, 
Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask Blessed Mary ever virgin, all the angels and sisters, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who adorned the priest St. Camillus, with a singular grace of charity towards the sick, pour out upon us by his merits a spirit of love for you, so that serving you in our neighbor, we may, at the hour of our death, pass safely over to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of the prophet Micah. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, present your plea before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O mountains, the plea of the Lord. Pay attention, O foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a plea against his people, and he enters into trial with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you, or how have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, from the place of slavery I released you, and I sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow before God Most High? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with myriad streams of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my crime, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? You have been told, O man, what is good, and what the Lord requires of you, only to do the right, and to love goodness, and to walk humbly with your God. The Word of the Lord. To the upright I will show the saving power of God. To the upright I will show the saving power of God. Gather my faithful ones before me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his justice, 
for God himself is the judge. I will show the saving power of God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you, for your burnt offerings are before me always. I take from your house no bullock, no goats out of your fold. Why do you recite my statutes and profess my covenant with your mouth, though you hate discipline and cast my words behind you? When you do these things, shall I be deaf to it? Or do you think that I am like yourself? I will correct you by drawing them up before your eyes. He that offers praise as a sacrifice glorifies me. And to him that goes the right way, I will show the salvation of God. To the upright, I will show the saving power of God. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment, the queen of the south will arise with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The beautiful reading, the first reading from the book of the prophet Micah, is traditionally called the reproaches, something that's sung during Lent or particularly during Holy Week, the reproaches. What have, O oh my people, what have I done to you? Or how have I wearied you? Answer me. And then God goes on to, to explain to his people, says, well, what can you really give me? Can you give me your life? Can you give me your sons, your daughters? You sacrifice all of these things do I really want all these things? In the end, God simply says, you know what is good, what, is re- what the Lord requires of you, only to do the right and to love goodness and to walk humbly with your God. Something of that same theme could be presented in the Gospel today. The Pharisees and the scribes come to Jesus seeking a sign. Jesus says something very important. An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign. I've always found it very interesting when they in teaching discernment, particularly discernment of spirits, or even discernment of God's will, according to St. Ignatius of Loyola, he really says, at least in those rules for discernment, he says, 
basically absolutely nothing about signs. And you know, we, we're looking for you know, the roses, so that St. Therese would say, well, it confirms. We want a confirmation that God is doing something. And this happens, of course, so there's no doubt. Uh, but we, we sometimes always are seeking all kinds of signs in order to confirm God's will or to confirm this or that. Uh, is, God, is God with me? Is he, is he going to take care of me? You know, you need to show yourself. In other words, what they were asking was proof. You, God, you need to prove yourself. Sometimes we may be tempted to do that. Other times we just need we really want a confirmation that the path we're on is the right path. That's something different. But when you come to God and say, you prove yourself. You prove to me that you exist. You know, we'll go back to that first reading, to walk humbly with your God. You know, to walk humbly. Um, it's inter- I've always found it very interesting that Jesus, his response to an evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign. The only sign that God will give is the sign of the prophet Jonah. The sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah is the only prophet that Jesus really kind of, in a sense, with the sign identifies himself with. And when you look at Jonah the prophet, he's, he's so unusual. Because he's not like the regular prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, the great prophets that as soon as they set their will to follow the Lord, they never turned back. Even Jeremiah, who said, Lord, you duped me. I let myself be duped. You know, all I proclaim is bad news. And, uh, but yet, I just I can't help it. You know, your, the fire of your word just inflames my heart. Isaiah, whose lips were touched and, and healed. No, Jonah, as soon as he received the word, of, he received the word of God. He went 180 degrees the opposite direction. Not going to do it. You know, and then God has to call him again. It's the second time where he finally goes to Nineveh and proclaims only, and he's only halfway through the city, only a third of the way actually, and the people start to repent. Jonah, he doesn't like this at all. He is not pleased. And this is something that's so bewildering. In fact, I think it was Father Paul Murrow who wrote this book on Jonah, the book of Jonah called The Spirituality of Bewilderment. Because he, Jonah knows, and he knows from the very beginning, that as soon as he goes to preach that these people are going to repent and God is going to forgive them. He is not going to carry out the punishment. And he thinks that he should. You know, He's a bit of a, a religious radical. <laughs> He thinks that God should punish them. There's a big black cloud should follow all those who do evil. But he knows, and he knows that God is going to, he's not going to punish them if he goes and he preaches. So he doesn't want to preach. But God, you know, he, he, God gets, he always gets us one way or another. So anyway, Jonah goes on his way and he preaches and the repentant, there he is sitting up under this tree, um, this, ca- uh, the, this, this tree, and he's waiting for God's, <laughs> for his wrath to come down upon the city of Nineveh and it doesn't happen. And then he starts complaining. And God has to come back and say to him, you know, you didn't make the tree, you didn't give the shade, you didn't do any of this. Why, why are you, why do you think that I should not be merciful? It's interesting because the book ends for sort of open-ended. It doesn't have a, a, a set uh, ending, you know? Uh, and it was it's sort of open-ended and it was supposed to be this way because it's supposed to be a reflection to those who think themselves always righteous that God's mercy is somehow bewildering. We, we can't box God in. Our, our founder, Father James Flanagan, he, he sort of explained to me what that sign of Jonah is in our day. Is this an evil and unfaithful generation? Yeah, we could probably say so. Probably every generation in some way is, but this generation in particular. What is the sign of Jonah? It's the Paschal mystery. That is the only sign 
that anyone will believe today. And what does that mean? Is that our life becomes a way of showing forth God's grace, that his, his tremendous power is shown in our weakness. That we are ones who really want to follow the Lord, even in this bewildering way, and we can let God be God. And whatever, however our life goes, both in the joys and the sorrows, that we know that the Lord is with us. We don't have to ask for a sign to say, hey, you prove yourself to me. You prove yourself that you're here. No, we know that the Lord is here. He may be sleeping in the back of the boat, but he's in the boat. He's here. The Lord is with us. We have that confidence. And so that is, I think, the kind of confidence and security that we can have that is the sign, the sign of Jonah. That we can, whatever sufferings that we go through, that we experience, the Lord permits that for some greater good. We don't always understand it, and we don't feel like we have to. We don't even have to try to explain it. But the Lord is with us. That, I believe, is the sign of Jonah. And that is the only sign that this generation, an evil and unfaithful generation, will understand. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God, the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. Let's pray for all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for peace among nations that, delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for ourselves gathered here that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Pray for the intentions of those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media and online. Pray for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association for their intentions and pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, let us remember those who have died, all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. For your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Put in the earth and work of human hands and become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. For your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, work of human hands, and become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Humble spirit and contrite heart may be accepted by you, O Lord. Your sacrifice and your sight this day be pleasing to your Lord God. 
Hey, dear beloved, my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of His name, for our good and good of all of His holy church. Receive, O Lord, the offerings of your people, and grant that we who celebrate your Son's work of boundless charity may, by the example of Blessed Camillus de Lelis, be confirmed in love of you and of our neighbor, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your church fruitful with strength ever new, and offer us sure signs of your love. And that your saving mysteries may be fulfilled, their great example lends us courage, their fervent prayers sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks, as in exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abaho, Plenis Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui benit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving things broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, 
We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. The sovereignty of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, quid holis hecatabundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quid holis hecatabundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. 
Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter into my room. Only say the word, and my soul shall be This is how all will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, says the Lord. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Lord, that we who are renewed by these sacred mysteries may follow the example of blessed Camillus de Lelis, who honored you with tireless devotion, by surpassing charity was of service to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Amen. Thanks.
prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. Hi, I'm Karina. And I'm Betsy. And we're with Catholic Charities. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. We implore thee.